Wait. Ah, kick ass. Hello, humans. Welcome to the Inward Podcast, brought to you by Martin. That's me. And Matt. That's him. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Martin. Hello, Paul. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good, good. So, Mr. TT, do you like that name? No. <laughs> no. Should go with Mr. PP. If you like. <laughs> Mr. PP. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with Mr. PP. Uh, so, the Bernie Eccleston of the TT, is that another... Uh, definitely no, not, definitely not, no, no, a yacht in the Riviera, <laughs> in, uh, I Riviera. Wish. Uh, thanks for joining us today, uh, I was doing my research on the on the TT, which we'll come on to a little bit more, but I was kind of thinking about the, what, like when you stand back from the event, what's going on, and obviously we all do a bit of cycling here, and you look at the Tour of France, which is like a long event over an pe- extended period of time, that constantly moves, and it's, you know, as an observer of cycling, it's just such a grand event that sometimes when you live on the Isle of Man, you maybe kind of forget how grand event it really is. Uh, as much as its history and all the publicity it gets, it's it's amazing every year. That's on your doorstep. You think in the Tour de France, the tour comes through your village, you dress your village up, you close it down, you move on. And that's But that happens every day for two, two and a half weeks. Yeah, I think um, it's easy to take to take the TT for granted when you come from the Isle of Man. And I even say that as myself who, you know, who works on it every, every day of the year. Um, but it, it is, it, it, it is a big event. It's big in, um, in, in duration. So, you know, like, um, I always try and talk about that when I'm talking to people about, you know, because most sport and the events are a weekend, yeah. you can kind of get away from, but you know, it's, 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 it's two weeks. Um, but, but in terms of like, yeah, it's history and it's the kind of, um the the sort of intrinsic brand power because it's 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 so unique and so um uh it's had such a long history and it's kind of it has that kind of wimbledon or grand national thing about it that it transcends its own sport a bit so it's it's kind of it's it's not you know it, it's motorsport but it's more than motorsport yeah. as well mm-hmm. maybe in, in motorsport maybe like Le Mans and Indy 500 and things like that probably yeah no you're right and Wimbledon's probably another good like you say example of a, a couple of weeks that's going on everyone they're not bike fans the rest of the year they're not tennis fans the rest of the year but yeah and you know that you know you'll you'll meet people in, uh, when you're traveling back in those days when we could travel and you say you know from the Alaman they go where and you say the TT and they go oh yeah we know the TT and you know so it's you know, it's, by f- it's easily the Isle of Man's biggest brand, but it's probably more well-known than Brand Isle of Man. Well, I think it is more well-known than Brand Isle of Man. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, like I say, it's easy to take it for granted, but some days, you know, you take a step back and think about actually how special a thing mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, it reminded me of a story about that global side of it. I remember getting on, this is a humble brag, uh, in Hamilton <laughs> Island in Australia, getting on a on a boat. We were staying on, getting on a boat to go to the Barrier Reef, and we were sat just waiting to get on this boat. Two hundred people, probably not even that, on the island, and then there's seventy of us getting on this boat to go to the Barrier Reef. Turned to the left, and someone stood there with a TT hat, TT hat on. Yeah, I mean, he's a sidecar driver. Right. Yeah, lots of people have those stories. New Zealand, I think. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, you th- I see it on TV sometimes. Like, I was watching like a music concert. Like, I don't, can't remember what it was. Um, from a couple of years ago the other night on TV somewhere and I, could, I saw someone with a TT t-shirt mm-hmm. down the front and, and probably the most weird one I ever saw was a guy with a TT t-shirt on over the top of his ski jacket up the mountain in the Alps <laughs> when I was skiing one time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must be an like, it's like, look, as a manxman and you're kind of proud, you must kind of get a double proudness of 
that's part of, you know that cr- part of that creation there and what it is now is down to your you and your team's work yeah well yes and no i mean that you know the 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 tt doesn't belong to any of us it's um uh, and it's much bigger than the pe- you know the people who come and go who work on it and whatnot but um there is this there is a very very loyal and passionate fan base for the tt um which uh, is is a great thing uh, it comes with challenges sometimes as well but it, it is a great thing and there is um or certainly there has been real like um emotional investment by lots of fans in the tt and that's why you know they've they've keep coming back and keep supporting it and whatnot over you know and through generations of families and stuff as well so a bit maybe to before we dive into the tt to to lead up to how that came about for yourself early years growing up on the isle of man where were you so i um i grew up in sulby uh and my mum and dad's house when i grew up was on sulby straight on the fastest part of the tt circuit my bedroom overlooked the circuit um and practice back then i assume absolutely never missed one you know my dad raced motorcycles um and then and stopped when i was born um and still and and remained involved in motorcycle racing all through his life really with you know uh spanning for people and that kind of thing And, and when i grew up motorcycle racing was the only thing in our house that was of importance our family holidays were to see motorcycle racing and the tt was you know was was christmas times 10 in 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 our house and in my life and you know back in in the 80s when i was a young kid i had quite a lot of freedom tt time with my mum and dad you know i really was allowed to go and access you know so i would be yeah i just loved it i i I was you know boy in the bmx in the hedge with my sandwiches and my my program and i just absolutely loved it back then and i'm really really passionate about about the whole sport but but especially the the, the tt so um and your dad what kind of level did he race at? he was racing club level and he was he was going good and but then i was born and that kind of you put paid it, to yeah. it so um yeah uh but like i say yeah so the the, the I'm, I'm my i mean like i'm probably you know I, I motorcycle racing is my uh professional life now and that changes things and i'm not as I wouldn't say like I'm that kind of fan of motorcycle racing like I was and mm. but, but my dad that is all he's into you know he has no mm. other hobbies other than my you know other than his grandkids motorcycles <laughs> are, is all he does right. you know so um, is the only one interest he has in life is motorcycle racing and um and yes yeah, so that's not changed for him and, and he'll watch anything at any time of day on the tv with the motorcycle yeah. racing around and um so yeah. yeah so that's kind of for sure that's you know that's that's, that's where I grew up on the on, literally on the course on the yeah, fastest part never, and never knew that right and um uh, and grew up just sort of yeah really 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 immersed in in the tt and did you ever want a bike so um i had motorcycles from an early age okay. uh, and i raced motos, motocross sort of um for quite a while um and uh yeah i, I was never my, my, you know i think i had a subliminal mess my dad always used to go on about how motorcycle racing was for mugs and it was expensive and you got hurt and stuff and i think you know because he didn't probably want me to do mm-hmm. it kind of drilled that into me i always had that in my head and it was never i never wanted to race motorcycles although i did enjoy racing motocross um but then a few things i I, I bust my wrist bad on a mountain bike um uh and it it, it, when it got fixed it was never fixed particularly well and when i went back racing motocross it was it was a bit of a problem with pins and needles and uncomfortable you know if 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 racing motocross was my job i'd have had to have gone back and had a proper job on the wrist but um and i was playing football a lot and and coming into sort of you know teenage years and and 
to be honest, I did a good thing with him. I think back about it. I could see how much money my mum and dad were spending on me going motocross, and I wasn't committed to it. And I just sort of phased out and stopped doing that, really. So, mm. um, so I think that was your dad, not because obviously with road racing, certainly when you get to that, well, all stages of motorsport, it's dangerous. Do you think that thing of drilling in and the the comments about it's expensive was him trying to keep you away from yeah, risk? Yeah, I'm certain of it. Yeah, and and you know he was really encouraging of the motocross because I think he saw that as a safe alternative. <laughs> you know and um but uh i was never i did enjoy my motocross but i was never you know and I, like i don't follow motocross now i never mm. i was never massively invested in it i did enjoy i did enjoy the racing at the time and stuff and but um did you get a bike it, license when you were turned 16 no like so i just i just literally at that by the time i got to sort of my mid to end teens i was getting less interested in motorbike racing yeah. for various reasons and doing the things that you know teenage boys generally do and um just yeah my I, my interest waned a little bit around that time and motorbikes were less of a of important in my life back then still watching every year of the tt or was that more yeah just, uh, i just you know i guess yeah I never ever the, i mean like i guess the only tt race i've ever not seen although now i haven't actually seen one for 15 <laughs> years but uh was when i was doing my gcse's but i was still the kid who you know ran through his gcse's flat out to get down parliament okay. square to catch yeah. the last lap yeah, of yeah, the yeah. of the race so yeah no i never i never i never absolutely never stopped having the interest in the tt but i did you know there, that was probably the time when i was least interested in it i guess probably then yeah just you know it's... i'm not sure if you've ever been compared to joey dunlop but i'll have a go now so he one of his famous things i think he didn't have a bike license did he for many years when no. he was racing when he was younger so which is always kind of ironic for a guy who's so good at motorbike and yeah. sort of similar to a guy who runs a motorbike event and doesn't have a motorbike license the, the, the thing <laughs> is um not the you know just that yeah i mean the, the the thing that like my job now is you know i'm a uh, yeah. i work in event delivery i'm a business development manager it could be on anything yeah. the, those skills are, are oh, we'll skills around yeah, yeah. yeah we'll come on to those you know which are yeah, the fact that I, I I grew up with passion of the TT almost certainly led me to this point, but it didn't need to. Yeah. You know, the the, diff, the whole different sort of and mm. you know I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, but I've got a very firm view. And we were speaking about it before about the the cycling event. I think is if you're a fan of um, a sporting event that you're delivering, that's a that's that's a diff, that's a dangerous thing. You have to manage that. You can't be a fanboy and and then be you know you've got to you've got to uh, you know you've got to you've got to change that kind of emotional attachment to to, to do a good like job a conflict, you've got to, basically isn't it yeah you've got to be um you've got to be professional you've got to be objective and you know you, you can't be wanting to just hang out and have fun you yeah. know and, and that's yeah that's yeah. so so getting into uh, work and life how did that start about did yeah you to, did you do uni or was it straight no life? so um when i left school at 16 I, I left school at 16 and I, I didn't go back and do my a-levels because i just was not in the place for more learning interestingly oh, now like <laughs> i just sit now and read stuff all yeah. the time i'm like mm. a sponge but back then i just was not and i knew that if i went and did my a-levels it would waste everybody's time and i would just mess around um so i got a job that summer in a warehouse and messed about for a bit and then my mum and dad said like paul like you know, you need to get a job now. So I was like, right, okay. And these are back in the days when there was like millions of jobs and <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I got the courier out and I applied for a load of jobs, got some interviews, got some jobs and I went and worked in a bank. Right. You know, for no, no desire to, as in I've got a career here. No, just... but you know, it was like one of them things back then. Like, it's like, that was like 97, was it maybe? It's like, get a job in a bank, it's a great job. Bank, you know, bank for life. Sue, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. great. Um, anyway, um, and that's what I did. But, by then, I was through my interest in motorcycle racing, and 
and, and, and just another thing, I, I've always been a bit of an organizer. So even like in the most simple things, whether it's with my mates doing something, I'm okay. the person that organizes stuff. And um, anyway, I'd, I just kind of knew lots of people from my from growing up in, in motorcycle racing and whatnot. Um, and some of the maybe natural skills I had, I started doing some work in the sport. So I was doing some writing and I would be doing mm-hmm. some helping people with sponsorship and PR and things like that and helping people, helping riders get, in right. jobs with teams and teams right. find the right riders and so that was going on in the background i was just doing that you know from my own steam because i was interested in it okay. really um and it, but earning a little bit of money on the side right. doing little okay. things like that um but yeah i went to work for a bank so i worked for the bank for like i don't know maybe five six seven eight years or something and worked my way through the bank doing you know lots of dull and jobs right. and various levels call center and stuff okay. and then i went and worked in it um, which I did for the for the most part there, which was a laugh because I didn't know anything about <laughs> IT really and the grand scheme of things. But I, I worked with this great group of lads, you know, like proper friends for life, um, still really good friends now who come and work with me on some of the events I was still involved in um, and uh, learn a bit about, yeah, IT along the way. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, But I was doing more and more and more in the sport, I suppose, Um and then a um, very famous TT rider who was a, f- a friend of mine who I'd done some work for called Ian Locker, who won like 10 or 11 TTs. He kind of became an advocate for me to do some work on the TT, um, which was around 2005 time. And back at that point in time, the TT was in real kind of, uh, it, was, it was on a, a downward trajectory in so many ways and was coming under a lot of pressure inside the industry and stuff to... To up its game, basically, yeah. you know, and you'd gone back a, a little bit before that, you know, the David Jeffries accident, and there was this kind of groundswell of negativity emanating around the TT and stuff. And yeah, so that's how I kind of went from yeah, leaving from school to <laughs> bank to yeah. becoming. Yeah, so I was kind of all the way through that period. I was involved in in this in this sport in motorcycle racing in a professional capacity, but almost like a hobby, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I was falling into it really. So to dig in a little bit to the to that background, uh, like you say, I think even mid nineties or early nineties, the production races were causing kind of havoc around the TT, and the the reputation was uh, slowly, like you say, on a downward trajectory. Uh, we were talking earlier about the TT. I think I might mention this when we chatted to Roy Moore about. I was a big fan of the TT when I was younger. Not that I'm not now, but I remember when David Jeffries got killed, and it really left a mm-hmm. sour kind of taste. I've always struggled to kind of bond with the TT since then. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you bond to the, you know, stars that you see and mm-hmm. when you, you kind of, when they go, it's it's quite hard. I imagine where you work is 10 times harder. Uh, but like you say, in the 2000s, that ta- downward trajectory, when you started getting involved, when that opportunity came up, was that we need to build a vision for the future here? Or was that kind of already in process? Or did you come in going, you need to, we need to think about how to... Um, so I think... It's one of those darkest before the dawn situations, I suppose. I mean, the TT had been, a de- you know, the, the decline of the TT was not uh, a quick thing. You know, it had probably mm. taken 20 years of gradual decline to get through to, to where it got to. And well, you start from it when it lost its world status, really, yeah, probably. So been that's the kind of away thing. And, and then, yeah. you know, what we saw, you know, you mentioned Bernie Eccleston before. So he kind of modernized motorsport at the top, at the, at the, at the highest level with Formula One um, during the 80s. Um, and everything, you know, evolved and followed, uh, followed suit. And, you know, sport generally, you know, it's changing all the time as it is now. I mean, blimey, um, you know, the, 
even the, for the time I've been in the TT, the way things have changed kind of in the, in the, in the digital world, you mm -hmm. know, it's just revolutionized how we consider events. So the TT hadn't changed. So, you know, the mm -hmm. TT in 2000 and whatever was pretty much like the TT probably was in the seventies in terms of the kind of organizational approach. Um, and, uh, but it's, you know, going to be kind of, careful how how i position this it's like it's almost like um that is also you know the kind of um the um the, the, the tradition of the tt yeah. is a big part of yeah, the tt's yeah. future you know um i think when I, you even look at people you know maybe this is a kind of an example if you look at the scoreboard where they're talking yeah, about modernizing it or not a good example people want that history and and, and everything that's about that yeah but so if you apply that to all the other things, the million other things going yeah. on, they, they want that tradition history, but sometimes elements of this have to move on. Yeah. Well, and that's not a criticism people previously. It's just... No, well, well there are some things that are, you know, and that, that whole, the, the, the traditional argument is a very, very valid argument and a very important mm. one. But there are some other things that are um, factors that are, that, 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 are, that are undeniable. So that is that, um, you know, habits and attitudes change all the time. Um, motorsport, well, events, but motorsport in particular is very expensive. So then the, the, the cost is always going to go up. That's a, mm. that's a given. It's never going to get cheaper. It's always going to get more expensive. So you think, well, how, you know, how does that then, what, where does the feasibility of that going to be? Um, then you've got the kind of, you know, the, the risk and the attitude to risk and the perception of risk management and all those things, uh, which, you know, um, cannot afford to have, cannot afford to have stood still. And, so yeah, the, basically the world was moving, the TT wasn't, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where it, when it got to this point. And and the and the the the, the thing that probably people don't know um, is that just before I became in, involved, the uh, the Department for Tourism and Leisure, which doesn't exist now, but they were the the department charged with delivering the TT at the time, they had been taken to the UK by the Motorcycle Industry Association, which is the the organisation that represents motorcycling the motorcycle industry in the UK and, mm. and, and who represents it at Whitehall and whatnot. And they basically said, the TT is now bad for motorcycling and you guys have got to, you've got to, got to fix it, you know, or we're going to, we're going to put pressure to okay. get it stopped. You know, that's kind of at mm. the point, that's the, the point of no return that it mm. got to. Right. Um, so yeah, I kind of was asked along with uh, Milky, who I'd known well, and I'd, I was doing a lot of work with actually up until the point when he had his accident um to come along in 05 and do some work on the periphery of the tt which we did for a year um it was a real eye-opener a real eye-opener right. um and i ended up from that point then in may of the following year right before the 2006 tt going there to work full-time right. and the first tt that i really worked on i suppose in this job or a version of this job which has evolved many times since was was the centenary in 2007 oh, right. okay right. yeah and i was gonna say so what sort of things were you up to there then because obviously prior to that time doing bits and bobs to get yourself in the name there then suddenly from what it sounds like being thrust into very much yeah the deep I mean, end of it all. wasn't like <laughs> an ambition and you know to do that um but the situation was presented to me and i felt i had to i mean i, I took pretty big pay cut to go and do it actually you know and blimey i left a pretty easy life you know like with the boys mm -hmm. at barclays you know they were good <laughs> days you know but <laughs> so but yeah it was the right thing to do for many reasons and um and i wish i knew more i wish i knew all the stuff now that, I, that you know back then and of course everybody thinks that but 
really, <laughs> I was young enough. What was I, about 28 or something. So I was young enough to have loads of energy. And I was probably, my, my naivety about certain things was also a benefit at the time. And I guess I was a bit like a bull in a china shop. Um, and because I had that energy, it was just like unrelenting and, and it needed to be like, because there was so much yeah, to do and you mm. just didn't, it's just so crackers, honestly. Um, uh, but there was some low hanging fruit, you know, so it was, and I just think we changed perceptions pretty quickly. So we were able to bring better riders and better teams into it pretty quickly. We were able to engage the media who had just switched off to it completely, okay. um, you know, and, and start maybe changing some of the culture around the whole kind of event and, and just, so there's just one just example the, there with the media to try and like or to re-engage with them. How's that done? I'll give you an example, right? So in two thousand and five, did that year a bit of work at Brands Hatch BSB round one, um, and I'd arranged to meet a guy called Gary Pinchin, who was the sports editor for Motorcycle News at the time. Motorcycle News back then was still a really big deal, big mm. you know, the voice of you know magazines now are, are, are selling much less, much fewer covers. But back then, Motorcycle News was super important, and they were almost not covering the TT almost not covering it we met, met gary and sat gary down and had a coffee at brands hatch first round bsb said right guys this is what this is how we see this go and we're going to do this we're going to do that and he was like i always remember this he was like i really admire your enthusiasm boys but there's just no chance and then literally 12 months on at the same bsb meeting brands hatch round one as it used to be back then i can remember bumping into gary pinchin and he was a big boys, 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 come, come here come here get a coffee and, and he'd completely in 12 months yeah, changed right. that and now the TT is the TT covers of motorcycle news are by far their biggest sellers of the year, mm -hmm. and they will they will tell you that the TT has now gone from being of no importance to motorcycle mm -hmm. news to of absolute importance to motorcycle news. It's one example. It's not yeah, yeah. Uh, you mm -hmm. know it's not necessarily a measure of anything. But what's what's going on under the bonnet to change that in that say in that year his, his perception of that just the PR and marketing side. Yeah, modernization. Okay. Um, uh, a more professional approach to um, the delivery of the production, the, the delivery, um, uh, the development of a brand um, around, uh, you know, trying to, which is an ongoing process around the development of a brand around, you know, how we're going to hmm. look, feel, talk. Um, uh, you sent and, on and media me training. And meet, and meet you, oh, sorry. You sent on media training, I believe. Uh, I've, I've done media training, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, but, but um, but you know, just really, but there's some really basic stuff though. You know, just just trying to, you know, nothing too smart really. Just trying to bring the things that you do in organising mm. uh, uh, an event up to kind of like industry normal practice. I'm not even going to call them best practices, but normal practices for stuff. Yeah, so yeah. there's loads and loads of that. So like I said, there was there was lots of low hanging fruit. But I suppose the challenge was there was just so much of it. You know, it kind of, yeah, yeah, mm. uh, and you know, like literally, they, you know, crack a few eggs, making omelets back then and stuff. Sometimes of which, you know, I would, I would regret in retrospect. But you know, it was what it was, and yeah. and and um, learning every day. Aren't yeah, we? absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to go back to that kind of five oh six time when you first kind of say walk in the office, but that that right then it, is there a was there a this is the long term this is the no. vision no. That's <laughs> and that's part of that modernization process well yeah. yeah i mean really i'll be you know I'll, I'll, I'll be pretty honest it's um even up until very recently that's you know it's taken a there's been a lot to do mm -hmm. and there hasn't been um as 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 the recent lockdown period showed there hasn't really been a time of real Stand good reflection yeah. you know um and we've done a lot of stuff uh but 
you know, in retrospect, too much of that stuff has been done on um, gut feel and instinct and stuff. But that's just been a byproduct of the situation, you know, because, um, you know, the, the year, like I spoke to a few people I know who work in events and they all agree that your life just passes, pass, you know, you just go from like all these fixed deadlines and then you blink and it's like time to do it again. And, and it's very much like that on TT, you know, you go, so if, the, the, if, if most people's year revolves around Christmas, well, when you work on the TT, it revolves around June and you kind of go TT, yeah, classic TT as it is now, um, uh, you know, trade show season, media events and stuff. And, and it just, the cycle yeah. really, is really quick and there's never loads of time to, and, and everybody's in events well, is in that situation, you know? Businesses I know, like that. Yeah, and it's like, um, you know, you kind of often have some aspirations to, to, to make some big changes or whatever and... and um, uh, but you often with, with events because you can't push a deadline you can't say well, well do you know what we need to stick the TT on a few weeks later this year because we're not quite ready you can't do that <laughs> so you en- invariably get to this situation where you just have to do some things the way you did them last time because you can because you know that rather than actually see through or because yeah, yeah. you run out of whether it's time money or or impetus or whatever it is mm. um, but yeah so uh, you know I often I've been quite critical of myself recently when looking back over my time so far and, and some of my colleagues and so like critical of us all, of us all really or, or, or uh, and some of the things that we could be doing better or could have done better but you know we also did a lot of good good you know mm. we've, we've seen our business numbers go up a lot we've seen um the, the commerciality of it change a lot it's not insecure anymore it was insecure back then it's mm. not insecure now and I, 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 I don't that. feel yeah, you know yeah, there's yeah. public locally i think there's great support for it now which it had diminished the industry there's a lot of support and and you know you've got a, a an audience around the world that is ever increasing and becoming a, more interested in it so you know so we've done from most metrics we can say tick 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 you know yeah, but yeah. there's there's absolutely also better ways we could do stuff as well yeah and mm. everything can always be improved mm. i know i was listening to uh, you getting interviewed a few, a few months ago and you mentioned on there and i've seen it through my name drop uh frontline podcast i do through my business about covid gave that opportunity for oh i think for a lot of business and we gave that opportunity to stand back and you talked about that for no no tt while there was stuff going on which we'll come on to ultimately give you a little bit of breathing space like you say to stand back and assess what, yeah. what have we done and what can we do better and what, what do yeah. we need to do better we did all you find that qu- yeah. quite yeah so it obviously it all happened really quickly didn't it you know we were kind of like um you never thought in february would it's you, all going off back. in china then it's all going off in italy and then you know, then the next thing, it's a problem for us. And um, the TT was cancelled in March, wasn't it? Mm. But obviously by, by March, you're in the final throws, really, then, of, of that event. So, um, uh, and so once the dust settled and we all got sent home, because we did, like, you know, it was literally like the TT, I think, announcement was the Monday. And I think the lockdown kicked in, like, the following Monday mm. or something. It was that quick, you know? Um, and I don't know about, I can only give you a personal take on all this, but I was a bit sort of like, what do we do now mm. you know i didn't actually know what to do with myself for a little bit um and maybe after a couple of weeks of you know answering emails and tidying up and doing what had to be done in terms of canceling an event um yeah i I, per- I started personally to get a bit of clarity and whatnot and started working on some work uh with my colleagues that um is ongoing still now um and it is um it may turn out to be you know the, the 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 break from putting events on this year may turn out to be a real benefit to us in the future because i think it's allowing us that time to do this um really important work 
that was possibly never going to get done mm. which is that mm. kind of really critical review of of everything yeah. um understanding uh, and, and lots of really kind of detailed research around our customers around you know strategies and tactics and all this kind of yeah. you know dull stuff if you're a sports fan listening to this but in terms of putting on a really good event yeah so i, I and we've produced um work which is like you know we've produced papers that are going through government and and plans and whatnot and it's without without a question in my mind it's the best quality work that i've been attached to you know um you look back though that's like 15 years of experience as well isn't it that all the team are yeah into that as well. yeah and then then match with the time yeah. this mm. year to go and do the reading mm. and the research and the looking at you know kind of the other people in in the in the industry who are doing really good things and and particularly now because just think you know the world just changed so much because of the, the kind of um uh, you know because of uh, the, the the advances in, in in digital media and whatnot that's yeah. just changed everything totally everything you know if you think about if i've worked on the tc for 15 years we're talking starting that you know the, we're not we're talking pre-ipads yeah. you know hmm. pre-smartphones actually yeah, yeah. and and pre-social media and you know so that's one of the questions i had was that kind of from 06 today that transition of you say from a paper really to an audience who you can deliver content to so quickly yeah uh, yeah i mean so so again within that within that government is that the department is there you know call it social media particular areas that people would focus on so it'd be what content can we get out how do we get it out yeah Digi so, digital team or whatever they might be called now yeah i mean you we've um so to if you go back a little bit like so one of the things that's really driven um the the progress the tt's made has been content but pre the kind of yeah, that's more kind of the, the tr traditional linear delivery methods has been very beneficial up to now like so when like tv became better you know and, and more people were seeing it that helped a lot that really advanced it um uh, there was the the documentary film in 2010 11 time which sped that process up um but the pr production to make all that viable so better sport so like you have the best tv production in the world but the sport's rubbish still rubbish sport mm. you know so mm. we we focused hard on building a good sport with the best riders interesting characters using those interesting characters as an asset to to tell this story and get people to invest emotion in these guys as as as, as um uh you know heroes and villains and and yeah. and and uh and and all that that so that's yeah i mean we've never had huge amounts of cash to spend on marketing so we've had to do it that way but yeah. also because the thing looks so good you know it's so spectacular and the, the environment's so beautiful um and the guys generally particularly you know at the front of, of motorcycle uh, tt racing it attracts these kind of um maverick type guys mm. almost consistently you know it attracts these interesting people it's very blue collar sport as well and we've kind of i think we've nurtured that kind yeah, of deal you know we've had the ultimate blue collar hero and john mcginnis through that whole period who was you know very working class guy but very uh, you know using doing his applying his trade on a public road that you can ride on on a motorcycle it's not a million miles away from what you can go and buy and so all those things worked for us you know some of them came together some of them maybe we did a good job of using but it's just, yeah, the situation but looking back at the time is that was that conscious thought process of totally things? yeah, yeah right. totally yeah, yeah. And, and that's just from from my perspective that's as a sport fan you know i want to be interested in this guy is he is that, am I, do i want him to win or do i, want, I need to care yeah. whether mm. he wins or loses yeah, you know yeah. um you get the investment like i was talking earlier which is a, it's a sad situation about david jeff 
you're invested and as a fan i was invested in yeah he's your hero and then mm -hmm. uh, yeah absolutely yeah. i mean on all sports you know the the bigger the sport the bigger the investment of that you know you think of football as a mm. prime example the kind of the tribal passionate investment in supporting a team as a fan you know like that is that's it you yeah. know that comes with some baggage as well but that is the kind of uh not when you're uh, liverpool at the moment it no mean. no but you know like well, maybe a couple of weeks maybe, ago. Maybe there's a, there's a culture of football that's very different to motorsport, motorcycle racing, but that kind of, um, you know, the the, the sporting stars, you know, and, and the yeah, stars. I you think know? road racing fans as well. My observation is that they're very they're very tribal and and they love the sport. Yeah, they do. And there's almost a mockery of all those people on closed circuits, and there's almost this tribal mentality around the, around the road racing yeah. scene that I see. Yeah. The the other thing is kind of like the advent of extreme sports through that period of time as well so my view was always like you know extreme sports becoming a big thing within the 90s mm. and i was like well most of these things aren't extreme you know going to stand on still be straight that's yeah. extreme you know that's yeah, proper yeah. extreme so we were we position the tt more and more like an extreme sport i think and yeah. talk of it that way and the big thing um was that there was also a, a kind of a culture around the tt when i started working on it when um around the risk side and almost like almost like a subliminal brushing it on you know very guarded around the risks and you know the kind of that horrible oh you know it's like climbing Everest and you know they know mm. the risks and all that stuff which I've never been a fan of we changed that round really and you know obviously we had a commercial program going on which generated more more money we spent money on improving um the risk management areas of it but we never really then talked about safety because you know it's not safe mm -hmm. it's, it's not safe but there, there, there is a high degree of risk management mm. around it um, and we started talking about that much more openly. And you can see that in the in all of our our, our own media output and, and think about the film and stuff. And but it was kind of like it's much more accepted doing it that way. You know, being really honest and almost using it as a as a as a, as a marketing asset mm -hmm. almost. You know, not not in a, not in a crude or crass way, but just that is what it is. There's no point in trying to pretend anything yeah, else. Yeah. It's riding a 200 horsepower motorcycle on a public public road. It is very extreme. Yeah. And of course, the timing was right for that. You know, we're, you know, we're talking, you know, uh, X Games and yeah. extreme sports and energy drinks and that kind of whole culture that's erupted. That's also lined up with yeah. the the TT's kind of um, no, I agree. recent growth. Yeah. yeah. So just to just to jump back to 06, that as that transition starts, and you're looking at uh, attracting higher profile riders going out, seems to be almost headhunting them to a point. That's a, a couple of my observations. There was certainly, I remember, uh, maybe a few riders that would, and uh, maybe traditionalists that would just turn up, do this one race a year, and th I think the the requirement to maybe qualify maybe changed. And was the I presume you got resistance from maybe more some of the old school around that. Oh side yeah, of it. I mean, I yeah, think I mean, of a guy, and I, I admit, might want to talk. You might not want to talk about him particularly, but I remember a guy. Uh, I can't remember his first name. He was known as Cap Davies. I can't remember oh, his yeah. first name. Yeah. And my recollections again as a youngster was that kind of just would rock up race you know very good racer as well yeah uh, i think leading a wet race once yeah. as well and uh when they when they i use the word more professionalism not the people before weren't but as we moved into a more modern era that they started to maybe get excluded yeah so but i'm not particularly picking on him to talk no, no, about no, but uh, that's uh, just to the, demonstrate the, the point the, of that movement and the resistance the from quality of the tt entry in overall terms at that time was poor and the difference between first and last was massive um 
so there's so there's a couple of issues there. First of all, like there's a that's a, a risk issue. You know the the, the 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 quality thing. You know is is a risk issue, and the speed differential is a big risk issue. And people were telling us that that's a big issue. And people um, being riders. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also it's like um, again from the from the sporting spectacle and experience side. You know you want to see the best riders. Mm-hmm. You know the kind of aspirational. Um, uh, I hate using the word athletes because I always think it's bloody John McGuinness but most of them are gen, you know yeah. take professionally take wrong. their fitness yeah. profession uh, seriously and so does John I'm, I'm doing a disservice there but he's, uh, that's the black blockage I always have with the word <laughs> athlete because he couldn't run a bath um, <laughs> but is is the you know so and it was a cultural a cultural shift in the entry and you see it really clearly you know and people have short memories unfortunately but if you go back and watch some footage and you kind of if you could be a fly on the wall then and a fly on the wall now, it looks different. Who's in it, the culture, mm. how people feel that they ought to present themselves and yeah. that level of professionalism is it could be higher, but it's certainly risen a lot. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So um, we were able to bring, back then it needed quite a lot of surgery. So we had to bring, we had to try and attempt to bring quite a lot of new riders. Um, less so now. Now you can only really afford to bring in a, two or three because the speed's so high that a new guy is almost impossible to come and take part now you know you've got to kind of hit the ground running Mm -hmm. but back then it was easier to kind of integrate more and more and it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy we were able to understand what they needed from the event you know they needed it to be professional they needed lots of media interest so they could get sponsorship Mm -hmm. need to be treated nice you know they're coming here for three weeks plus a lot of investment beforehand in terms of learning so they needed to be dealt with people that were friendly and and offering good customer service to them as customers which they are yeah, um, and that was a big concept. change. Yeah, that yeah. was a big change in that because there was that there was a you know the TT had a reputation of being hard work to go to you know and I've always had this view that it's the longest race, the most dangerous race, the most expensive race, so it's going to be the best experience to come and race mm-hmm. you know particularly for a team because there's just money out you know there's not mm-hmm. money in it's just money out mm-hmm. so um, uh, and then you know that and and often they were younger guys you know we kind of focused on under thirty guys really. Um, and it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy. They become advocates of the event. So I could think of people like James Hillier, Connor, Gary Johnson, guys who were racing in British Championship at the time in, in Supersport and Superstock, came to the TT, did well at the TT. It benefited their careers as motorcycle racers. And they then became positive advocates for the event in that environment. And you just... That transition then, back then... It that, just looked after itself after that yeah. point. Was it more like you look back now... 13 years ago, a sale pitch to find those riders, I assume, was a sales pitch where now it's more people knocking on your door. We don't chase yeah, riders. Yeah. We don't go looking for new riders now. But back we then we did. Then, yeah. yeah. So, and it was quite simple. Like, So there's guys who have maybe road raced elsewhere. Maybe they'd done the Northwest 200 or something or or they said something in an interview that I'd like to go and race for the TT. Well, we need to ask them if they do, then how do we how actually make that, that happen? Yeah. You know, and um, it's interesting that concept you mentioned about customer. I never kind of really thought of it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, and also being, you know, so we brought we brought in some guys who are riding at a very high level to come in as rookies. You know, to the first one that really was there was Steve Plater, mm-hmm. um, and Steve came in two thousand and seven as a newcomer. He won in 08, He won in nine. Um, he was a professional motorcycle racer and you have to treat him like he had, he had to be treated like a professional motorcycle racer, you know, yeah, yeah. and that there was maybe an attitude at one stage where it was kind of like, well, you know, um, you, With you've the almost got you like, our way. Yeah. And uh, it's just, that's just not yeah, going to work. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not going to work. And, um, yeah, you've got to treat professionals as professionals. Mm. Um, 
So, so yeah, so that became, but that, like I said, that has become a, a a situation that almost looks after itself yeah, now. Yeah. You know, as times wore on, the, the things got faster. We take less people because because it's so fast. You know, you can't have as many people in it. Yeah. The um, the overall strength of the, the entry is much higher, so it needs less new blood each time. And and you know, now often it's really really good guys now who are like Glenn Irwin would have come this year. Who's, you know, could potentially win the British Superbike Championship this year. It's young guys with big proven talent at riding a motorcycle really now that come into the, the, yeah. the TT and, and not many more really. Hmm. And, and you do, I mean, you look at an entry again, and sometimes when I'm watching the race and you look at an entry, it's got 70 people, 75 people. It's a lot. You go to a, r- a race anywhere on closed circuits, anywhere. Like, I, I don't know whether it's, but I suspect other than maybe like 24 hour endurance races, it's probably the highest entry yeah, feel, which obviously allows, I guess, because of the nature of the circuit yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Um, to be able yeah. to fill those spaces. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no shortage of people wanting to race in the TT, that's for sure. I mean, quite a lot of people turned away each each time, as it should be. You know, it should be a, yeah. a, an honour to race Cream in the TT, not a right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, uh, um, yeah, it just like that whole situation has led to that thing about, I was going on before about the racing being really strong. And um, it's statistically the closest it's ever been consistently. So all the races are always close now. Yeah, yeah. And there's two things. One, one it, we've influenced and one, uh, um, it's just been a, a, a very helpful byproduct. Really, is what the one we've influenced is by bringing more and more better riders of a of, an, of a of a closer level. So they're all, you know, at that kind of. There was a time maybe in the parts of the nineties and the early noughties where you oh, have guys two and a half minutes, way better minutes. than everybody yeah. else. The, but the other thing has been the way the motorcycle industry has changed and the advent of the inline four cylinder thousand cc bikes, which from the showroom are all really good. And they're all really comparable. So the BMW, the Kawasaki, the Suzuki, the Honda, they're all kind of like on a par. So now TT racing is like fairly cost-effective tech-wise. I mean, the bikes are not super special because they're so good to start off with. And they're all, the power, the, the performance is also yeah. uh, close. Same margins. I, as you know, when I was a kid, I loved Joey Dunlop. Joey Dunlop was my hero. But he had a, he had a he, in the 80s, he had a factory hand-built RVF prototype, like a MotoGP bike today. And he was racing against people in the mid eighties who were <laughs> running like you know the the you know the the, the bikes weren't worth as much as the front forks mm. on his bike, <laughs> and you know I loved that back then because I loved, I wanted Joey to win by as many minutes as he could. But he was sometimes winning by three or four minutes, um, but that doesn't you know TTs yeah. are won by seconds now yeah. you know mm. and you kind of like you know the first the first the first lap of a TT race. Um, and they get to the first time and split, and there'll be maybe ten guys split by less than one second. You know, we think about that's like ten guys at Brands Hatch after three laps, still yeah, all yeah, yeah. like next to each other yeah, coming yeah, through yeah. that turn. So, so that's for me close, exciting racing is the very basic thing that will make everything else fly. Yeah. And just because of my lack of knowledge, apologies. Is that like restrictions you put on in terms of what they can and can't do? Like, no, the rules are pretty open. It's just that the way the industry's evolved and the products evolved is the bikes are just all. Like they come off the showroom. The sports bike market has changed a lot, um, particularly since the banking crash and all, and, the, and the, as the economy's changed. And it's it's not high, it's not low price, high volume anymore. It's big price point, low volume. It's a bit like the sports car market. It's mm. a bit like you know people who buy Maseratis and Ferraris and stuff. So you, now you buy a BMW 1000RR. And it's got traction control and anti-wheeling and all these crazy things that you don't need to ride on the road. But they're, they're basically built as track bikes, big price point, but low volume. Mm. 
Um, but it just means from a racing perspective that everybody, there's nothing that you can't buy anymore. You know, like there's nothing on any of those bikes in the TT that you and I can't mm. buy. Okay. If you've got the budget, you can build a bike as good as the one that wins. Yeah. And that's a good thing. No, I, I think it's really good from yeah. that point because I'm just equating to when you see the likes of another F1. Yeah. Completely different. Well, I know they're talking about introducing capsule. Budget cap- it is, but it's but a real point of difference. Is, yeah, you, from most from first perspective, last, it's a real so. point of difference because the guy in the, let's say, the Force India, he, he cannot he cannot win. You know, he, mm. he, 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 mm. he cannot win. Whereas anybody could win the TT, yeah. you know, yeah, on... Yeah. Um, Machinery wise, yeah, it's rider talent, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're, that's what you want to say. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier the centenary, which will come on to a sec. It was interesting. I was just looking uh, from '06, kind of when you started to get involved, lap time wise, to now, right? And uh, uh, the quiz. Then, do you know the lap record in '06? Could you remember? What it would have been. Uh, it must have been 128 or 9 mile an hour can we go with timing rather than (laughs) oh right sorry (laughs) I don't know Uh, well it was 1741 right uh, yeah and the athlete had it Uh, yes 1741 uh, yeah and obviously it's now 1642 yeah I know but there were big chunks lopped off on that in recent times yeah yeah. the the seven minute sub 17 thing was like you know Hutchie Dunlop did that and then nobody went you know sub 17 was a big barrier still is a big barrier I don't think many people have gone under it yeah but then obviously Hickman locked 15 <laughs> seconds off that. As you do. <laughs> and yeah, that same year, uh, from what I read, it was Connor, Connor's first year there and William Dunlop in 06. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say you're right. Yeah, Probably, yeah. yeah. Even chatting to Connor, you know, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, no, like you're right, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, that wonder. is correct. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. When he was 10 or yeah. Uh, so yeah, the centenary year, I think, again, it felt like Again, as an observer, quite a big milestone, irrespective of the 130 and the <laughs> the, the event around, around it. That, that to me, when I look at the history, that that does seem to be that turning. Yeah. Maybe it was a plateau in 06 in regard to stopping this downward trajectory. That Maybe. that, that start pushing it yeah. in the trajectory it's in now. I think obviously when the TT was in a downward tra- trajectory, there there was a view that the centenary would be its last, and that was soon dispelled. You know, things started getting better from that point. Really, centenary was a big event. It almost couldn't not be a big event. Personally, I always look back on it thinking it was a real wasted opportunity in many respects. Um, and so much more could have been done then and used it to sort of really create a legacy and and, and, and maybe made some, you know, big investment in its future at the time. And but, but it was a successful event. I think, you know, I think people look back on it as a successful event. Perception is a, as a, it was a successful event and it, that... Um, you know, like I guess if there was a customer satisfaction poll at that time, it would have done well. Um, but just I guess, as, yeah, as something on the inside, yeah, I had yeah. a view that, you know, and it was. I tell you what, I would never want a year like that again. You know, that was proper. That was. I, I've never worked that many hours before. There wasn't many of us around then working on it, and it was just way, 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 way too much to do. And um, there hadn't been. You know, there, there, there was. There wasn't enough stuff in place, really. It was just, yeah, it was full Again, on. that's a ha- hindsight thing, isn't it? Where you're yeah. looking at that saying, you know, ideally if you could have run the centenary two years ago, of course, yeah, we do a great job. Because I know what yeah. you've done <laughs> 10 years since then, though. But yeah. to get to that stage, you've got to start yeah. on that. Yeah. Taking but, those ba- baby steps, if we want to call them baby steps. But also, goes back to that really basic thing again, is the racing was starting to get better. Mm. So almost in spite of the centenary, you know, all of a sudden this, like, you know, John McGuinness was emerging as this star and these other people were coming to take him on and, the teams were starting to tiptoe back, you know. So yeah, yeah. there were there was almost like well, Honda had stopped coming, you know, by by um, two thousand and four, I think. Oh, right, um, okay. And yeah, you know, so the teams were starting to come back, and 
and and and the better riders were coming in and that so the sporting yeah i mean then now and i'm almost certain forever that good sport is key you know and everything yeah. else will sit on top of, yeah, of yeah, that no, you know absolutely so roll forward a few years 2010 yeah that was and you mentioned earlier about the film yeah uh, again just out of interest was that that that's something they talked to you about doing or was that just someone independent going we're just so it was just letting you know we'll be on the island yeah so no no it was um max company uh oh, right, okay. cinema nx um uh, a guy called steve christian who, who unfortunately is no longer with us now is um was, was took that project on um, so was that his brainchild yeah i think i think um <laughs> a number of things about that film first of all i don't think it would have got made five years before so the tt being better and more mm. interesting made that tt made that film get made um the person the, the the and the um the uh emergence of guy martin as a personality and a, and a star in that space made that film get made when the film did get made and then we were really close with him to, to to help help it happen and whatnot um and uh amazing really like i always thought this at the time you know they were so lucky in so much as the way the story unfolded yeah, with yeah. the kind of the two big crashes, two big guys, two guys who were like at the front, both of whom survived. Because if, if, if Guy had died in that crash, that film wouldn't have got made. I had mm -hmm. that conversation with Steve Christian. That would have been it. It would have been in, it would have been in the bin. Um, they survived that crash. Both those crashes, Connors and his were both were caught on camera to a certain one in film. Well, the heli telly was following Connor and guys was caught um, by a photographer and, uh, in terms of making a film, they were dead lucky with the content. Yeah. I mean, it could have been dull, couldn't you know? Yeah, could yeah, be, but it was like it was a proper rip snort of a TT yeah, and Hutchie yeah, won yeah. five races yeah, and yeah. Um, and um, yeah, really. So I, I I I believe that the TT was on an upward tra trajectory by then, and the film poured a load of fuel on those yeah, yeah. embers and mm. sped that up. Yeah, you know, yeah. because the film was a good film. Um, it was interesting to a non motorcycle racing audience, and. Um, it did really well um yeah and it just really accelerated the process uh, it's interesting to mention about a story because i i look at the american football fans and every year they do a they do the the series of the mm. seed they do a, a, an american game it's called and it's an hour-long program and it's about the story of the winners of the super bowl and it just follows them through their through the path to there but there's a story there every year so whether it's adversity whether the GM had died in the previous year or whatever. There's always a story. And I, I, you're right in regard to Guy and that, that situation. But I genuinely, genuinely think, I suppose, a good filmmaker will always find the stories within the yeah, story. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Um, the thing is, like, um, you know, and, and I can imagine TT traditionalists frowning hearing me say this, but ultimately the TT is a piece of entertainment, you know, all sport is, you know, uh, from spectator perspective, you know, we, we, we watch sport to be entertained. Um, so the more entertaining you can make <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. You know, the, the better chance you've got of, yeah, of retaining yeah. your, 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 your fan base, your customer base and, and, and growing it. So, um, uh, yeah, it needs to be first and foremost, um, uh, yeah. entertaining. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And, and it's not a loaded question around TT zero, but that was the first year TT zero, my own viewers, I, personally as someone who ultimately thinks the world going to electric well cars are showing that that uh that it it was and my own views it should still go on just as a, as, as an observer because the sport's going that way there's e-sport mm. uh sorry not e-sport well i suppose it is e-electrics going that way 
What was what's your observations of those nine years now? So or eight years. Um, TC Zero was um, an initiative led by uh, a separate part of government, separate part of the department around, um, and it was it was it was used. It was it was an uh, an effort to take something really big in the Isle of Man, the TT, um, to promote the Isle of Man as a venue for clean technology. Um, the issue was and remains right now is that the motorcycle industry is not where the car industry is mm-hmm. in terms of um, clean emissions. Mm-hmm. So there just isn't the, 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 the volume of product. Mm-hmm. And it's still not now. You know, I, I obviously follow industry press and, and, and um, uh, I think the pressure on the car industry uh, to cut emissions is much higher than the motorcycle industry and the reason for that is is that motorcycles are seen as a cleaner alternative to cars they take up less space mm. on the roads they produce less emissions so there's that there isn't that that that, that, that same pressure on them yet of course it will come yeah. um and and the, the 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 bit major hurdle is that the um the the industry the the, the traditional parts of the industry so the motorcycle manufacturers that we all generally know aren't in that space yet commercially it's almost certainly that there's technology being worked on you know for some time in the future the likelihood probably is that that's going to my personal view that that will manifest itself in um kind of you know commuter scooter type vehicles and stuff first and foremost before it gets to the kind of performance end um and where where the performance end currently is in the motorcycle market up till now has been primarily uh with uh small independent brands so like people may recall brands like bramo and um uh victory and uh mission and all these kind of, and then a few kind of um and then obviously with the ct there was all this like university interest and then of course the, the, the mugen thing which is a, a separate thing altogether which is a, a performance house playing with technology basically so that to turn in to go back to being that kind of entertaining sport um, product, it needs it needs that groundswell of um, uh, of machinery. The 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 thing with um, TT Zero, the, some of the people in TT Zero really grew on me though, and um, uh, you know I met some really good people through 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 that, particularly you know the um, well a lot you know from the, from some of the students to uh, you know really yeah. interesting guys mm-hmm. and great guys and. Uh, the, the 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 guys from Belgium who um, made the Saralia bikes. I'm still friends with those guys now, and well. they live in Flanders. Um, right. um, uh, I we go to Flanders and ride our push bikes and yeah. go and see, see those guys. And um, and then and, and then the, the, the you know the the, the 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 Japanese with Mugen are probably the most probably the most friendly and uh, possibly nicest people I've ever dealt with through TT. You know, and respectful and stuff. Very much in their, in their culture, isn't it? And um, so yeah, so I don't know what the future holds on all of that. Yeah. I really don't know what the future holds for the industry on 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 clean mm. tech, but um, it's changing, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's uh, it's um, it's uh, it's changing. Excuse me. Um, so well, you say uh, it's probably just on a different curve yeah, timeline wise. The, the, to the thing is, like the, the, the TT's a standalone one-off thing, isn't it? It can't. It has to kind of line up with where the rest of the industry is yeah, kind of yeah, going no, it does, it does, certainly mm-hmm. doesn't the other classes you know we are, our rules are everybody else's rules not yeah. the tt's rules you yeah know? yeah um so yeah that's that's uh that's uh but that's at the minute and it's so it's on a, in a, on, a, on a on a hiatus at the minute i don't think um i'm, I'm certainly clean tech still important to mm-hmm. the isle of man 
um and it's going to be increasingly so important to all of us probably so yeah. but i don't i don't know exactly right now where i don't I've got an answer sure, what the future yeah, is. i'm sure we'll come back at some point that'd be my observations and one other question about 10 when we, we talked about the hutchie and, and winning all those races while, while you're in that because i'd imagine that two weeks you know you're working stupidly long hours but also goes in a heartbeat while that was going on and winning the races you kind of i suppose conscious that something special was happening um i can't i can't i can't really remember <laughs> um uh the one the one thing i recall from that uh situation with hutchie was how clinical he was right the way through it was just job done job done job done it was only when he won the senior he showed any real emotion mm. you know he's a he still is like that he's a you know he's a he's a very interesting sportsman as Ian hutchinson he's a very tough guy and focused guy and um i just always remember thinking you're like he wasn't letting any real emotion show. He was, he was just really calculated and focused yeah, next, and doing his job. Next? And uh, and he and he and he and he had as you need. You you know he had a good, good couple of dollops of luck and all that mm. uh, as well. But um, yeah, I mean, an amazing achievement. Yeah, no, mm. absolutely. Uh, so one of the episodes that I mentioned earlier, we talked to Roy Moore, who's mm. got more information in his head than any all the books around the world. Are you a big TT historian? No. Um, I have some osmosis kind of knowledge uh, and I like reading about TT history, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not. You want the 64 really, scene, nah, it's not in your head. Type nah, of yeah, no, 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 definitely not. And has so. that never just not been that Even when you're younger, it was more about yeah. embracing today? I mean, I'm like that on most things really. I've yeah, got a pretty yeah. <laughs> short memory span <laughs> on most things. So yeah, I, I love, I do, I do like reading about some of the, some of the real kind of crazy stories from the past. And I love looking at some of the old, photography mm -hmm. when you can kind of see I saw a picture somebody shared with me earlier in the year of Ago at the end of a morning practice up kind of where the winners enclosure is now and you could tell where it was and it just looked a cool atmosphere everyone was sort of around him mm -hmm. and it was like that you know, the early early sunlight low, yeah, the low yeah, storm yeah, and stuff yeah, and yeah. yeah I love all I love to be there you know to, to experience that for a, for a bit but um no I'm not I'm not a super historian I, th I think you mentioned at the start there about the history of the TT and that uh, again that's just it's such a key thing to we talk about historians and the CT moving on but that that yeah just this back like you mentioned there some of the backstories and mm. the stories of opening the gate on the mountain to, to yeah. raise bikes and when you look back what they were doing the speeds they were going back then yeah um, just yeah you know. there's a guy I was asked recently and I did an interview about something about a guy pick a guy from all these generations there's a guy from the kind of uh, world war era, era called um uh, Harold Daniel that always mm. enthralled me. I mean, he was the Peter Hickman of his day. He was breaking lap records and winning races. And you see pictures of him. He's like this short, dumpy little John Lennon glasses, like history teacher-looking guy. I always find that amazing. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he lapped it like ninety miles an hour in like I can't remember gravel roads, basically. <laughs> yeah, just amazing, really. Mm. I always find things like that interesting, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and um, yeah, but yeah, like, went off to fight in the war as well. I think, did you not? Possibly. I mean, lots yeah. of them, lots of them, yeah, lots of them royally did, yeah. Getting <laughs> completely wrong. Uh, so, and we've touched on the Satan that we touched on on the wrist side of things that must dominate so much of, or does it dominate a lot of? Well, I thought because again, you organise an event that's yeah. what you say, and I never so, really, I suppose, not consciously noticed that it's not a subject that that's not avoided. No, it's happy to, and you, what, what, like you say, what should you do? can't. Um, so I don't actually particularly work in much of that side. So I work more in um, you know, product and marketing and commercial and all that sort of stuff. But I do have 
responsibility for the sport in terms of you know the riders and the team so there's you know there's lots of stuff around risk there that i would be involved in but you know i'm not involved in the, i don't run the race you know i don't mm-hmm. run 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 the motorbike race um but you know i have I have views about where we should be you know heading for and there's lots of things that start with the, the racing itself that that limit that you know better riders better kit better tech you know culture all those sorts of things speed shortening that speed differential down but um you know growing up with the tt and obviously well aware of the, the the dangers of it you know you grow up with that and stuff um but not not absolutely not immune to it um uh uh you know and i feel pr- often very conflicted by it really you know it's like you you, you could working on on the tt you almost feel like at times a bit like a drug dealer you know like mm-hmm. uh, it feels almost a little bit immoral at times like you know what that feels like to you no well you know you're kind of feeding you yeah. know and the way i always the way i always balance this off in my own head is that these guys will be doing this anyway whether and if i have the opportunity to work on it and make it better mm-hmm. and yeah. it can do things like raise an income that can be spent on improving the risk management side then that's the best best outcome you know if I, if I was said right that's it I've had enough of this it's just too dangerous I can't well it's not gonna make any difference they're gonna mm. still do it you know yeah, yeah. um and I, I am very much an advocate of kind of like um free choice and, and all that yeah, and absolutely. I understand yeah, I've been around it a long to understand why why uh they do it but it doesn't you know the serious injuries and the, and the incidents that it's not that you get it's not that you become more used to them it's, it's harder if anything you know um as time as time wears on it's it's, a, it's it is you know if, if the tt the tt needs the risk to be what it is to mm. be that exciting but then often you always think like well i could I, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have the risk yeah, but then it wouldn't yeah. be the tt you know yeah, so yeah. i'm waffling a bit here i don't know no, there's no, a lot no, of kind of fine. a lot of thoughts yeah, yeah, around yeah. it that i don't necessarily know how to communicate and, but and when you look at again it's obviously very much in the public arena that i mean you see posts, not that everyone's a keyboard warrior now, well not everyone, sorry, but <laughs> not keyboard warriors, but the criticism that, that comes the way, because inevitably it does, just because you're in the public arena, not necessarily directed at you, but at the event that is obviously close to your heart, it's something something you work hard at, is that just something you try and ignore? Yeah, so... Like any sports person, I guess, that, that was That, that was a, a culture shock, I have to say, you know, and um, my time working on the TT has lined up with the digital age, forums originally then mm-hmm. social media and lots of uh you know uh easy to, ha- to have a voice and um yeah for sure to begin with i i, I have a, certainly have a different view on the whole thing now compared to when i started um and there just becomes a point in time really where you um you sink or swim because i think if you are affected by all that kind of stuff then you it's not sustainable and also you're not and that's the thing I was saying really early on about being, you know, I, I view this now as my occupation because it's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm there to do a professional job. I'm not there to be a fan of it. Um, and I don't have the same emotional attachment to it. I have an emotional attachment to it now as a, uh, because I'm from the Isle of Man and I, I've grown up with it and I am motivated to do a good job with it for the Isle of Man, but I'm not probably the biggest fan of motorcycle racing in the world anymore mm-hmm. um, and that's a change that had to had to happen otherwise mm-hmm. i wouldn't do as good a job or i wouldn't be able to do the job you know yeah, yeah. um it's just objective yeah because you're gonna fall out with everyone yeah. if you're gonna mm-hmm. you know work on, you're gonna fall out with all these people you know so you can't always you can't be yeah, the yeah. friends 
Um, and, you know, you're going to have to make decisions that they don't always like for the greater good of the event or whatever and, and that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, so I have made a big separation in my life, my private life and my my professional life, which mm. is definitely a good thing. I'm, I'm more than happy with that scenario. But in terms of um, that, you know, the, the, the thing with the, the TT is, it, you know, it does it belongs to the people of the Isle of Man. Um, it belongs to the fans of the TT. It is a very traditional event. It's very special. And that fan loyalty and ownership is really important. But then, so then, uh, so, I, so I understand what, all of that. Um, but then also then to be charged with driving change across it, that's a, that, that can be a challenge, mm. you know, and you've just got to accept like that as a challenge. Here, well, <laughs> there's a bit, you know, there's another man kind of, uh anti-change culture and because mm. we're you know this is what it is you know we're all a bit like that i can say that i'm from the other man um but also motorcycle racing and and tt racing is you know is it's not always the best environment for change but um you know i think it's just if you're going to make change it's got to be well thought through well yeah. researched well well intended and please everyone That's the yeah and you are also going to make loads of mistakes and get loads of things wrong as well which you know the people are telling you that the bad change were right on you know and <laughs> you've got to accept that as well but um uh, and there's loads of things, you know, we've made loads of missteps. And I think we know, you know, there's, there's lots of things that we still need to change now to um, do better for, for the fans and stuff. But that's, a, you know, it's an ongoing process. And I think maybe the, lo- the lockdown, like I was mentioning yeah. earlier, some of the work we've been able to do to understand all that and understand who the fans are, you know, in all of the mm. different versions of them, because there's, you know, there's a number of segments of fans that different types of fans and, how we talk to them, what what experience we give them, how we meet their needs and deal with their pain points and stuff is an important piece of work that I think yeah. we've only been able to do to this level of detail recently. But um, but yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't like I said, I don't really read social media and the forums, and yeah. I don't ha- I don't socialize in that in the sport really anymore, yeah, which yeah. I used to do because right. it was my my social circle was yeah, motorcycle yeah. racing. But I don't I I've separated the two things. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So just to dig into brains and psychology do you when you see the riders doing what they're doing does it boggle your mind yeah yeah basically yeah, yeah it's, i'm anxious about it um i uh we chatted to rich silver a long time yeah you yeah know rich do you? yeah rich do, yeah and he talks about doing a paper and he chatted to a few of the a few of the tt riders to understand what's going through their mind because again as someone looking it outwards inwards you kind of think whatever term you want to catch them but it's not normal i suppose as an observer because no. you're like he, he just talks about and again it's a risk aspect of they prepare the bike they know the course they know where everything is and there's risk like you've described from running the event to cross you know to people crossing the road there's a risk and then managing there's some elements you can't manage the bike breaking uh, something occurring out of the side of their control but everything that's in their control is managed the, and the, therefore it's what we perceive as a mentally <laughs> unbelievable risk to them it's just a small element the uncontrollable yeah bits. i mean I'm, I'm not a psychologist but i'm pretty sure that they're a type they have they share mm. they share something um having spent lots of time with motorcycle races and away from motorcycle racing you know, i can see that they like risk all the time you oh. know so in weird and wonderful things that they do in their lives they like risk they like taking risks even the most benign situations um but also like i i another thing i would say about them particularly like i would say the off, not 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 universally but often the better they are at it they're often they they seem to me to be very intelligent people as well so maybe mm. not academically obviously but 
they're smart, you know, and mm. they're able to make decisions fast, which mm. <laughs> sounds like an obvious thing, but it's a really important thing. Yeah. And you know, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not like like take Michael Dunlop as a good example. You know, you meet Michael Dunlop, you might think he's a bit uncouth and uneducated and stuff. And he, Christ, Michael probably left school at fourteen or something, but he is sharp as a fox. That kid, um, he's a smart boy, and he's now a successful businessman in his own right. And um, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, uh, and yeah, the, 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 these guys aren't stupid, yeah, you know. And yeah. I know that people from the outside obviously see it and they think, "Grimy, they're nuts," Oops, but they're yeah, not yeah. nuts. They're, they're definitely not nuts, yeah. um, and so, they are in control of that. But obviously, the, the stakes just super high. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so to dig in, and it's not not to again labour on on a, on a negative point, but you know, Manxman, when you look at something like in a situation where a lot of these riders, I guess, become friends, you know, you think, I think about Dan Neen, who I assume you knew outside of the the sporting world, just from from being up north as well. And again, uh, everyone has to deal with the element from the family to to other riders. Again, you must find that hard the next day, you've got to get up and do your job. Yeah, so um, generally, I try not to be friends with motorcycle riders. Mm some are some have been very close to me in the in the past maybe before i started working on this and uh, a guy called martin finnegan was a very Mm. good friend of mine he was an usher at my wedding we were very close our families were close he lost his life before i was working this job you know uh, and i've known lots of people who have been badly hurt or or worse through the sport that but as i've done this as a job again like i have tried to create that separation from self-preservation really Mm -hmm. but you know you can't help meet people in your life and mm. like them right and mm. you just you know and and that happens so there are there are motorcycle races that i would class as friends and i would have a relationship with outside of the job and that is worrying um and and, and the epitome of that was dan so i um i didn't know dan particularly well from motorcycle racing he he his and i paths had crossed very little mm. i got very friendly with dan neen through cycling and he became part of our cycling gang and my friendship was totally to do with away from motorcycle racing so obviously his accident yeah was definitely a low point of, of flipping everything really of that was that was that's got to be the hardest moment i suppose working on the tt because i i couldn't i couldn't just segment that bit off and be professional and think well that's you know go up, we go again tomorrow and stuff which we did do but yeah he, yeah, he, he was yeah. He, you know he was he was a um, he was a close friend, you know. He'd be, yeah, he'd yeah. Been, we had a big party in my house that Christmas. He was there, and you know, and and you know, socialised together. To, and the, the the question isn't to, to kind of bring up those kind of sad memories. It's just more in your just I suppose your position that maybe and rightly so. Everyone around from the, from families etc. There's there's an understanding, but as uh, someone who's it's running hard, the event, hard running to get the up event, and go again. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. It's always hard that you know no fatality. Yeah, makes no, it easy, but that was that was a particularly difficult one, just because, yeah, because of that, yeah, like, yeah. like you know, like probably, you know, the the Monday after TT, we'd have probably met up and gone for a bike ride yeah, that yeah, morning yeah. and swapped notes. You know, that's where our life was. It wasn't about, you know, he he was he was very friendly with Andy Bass. He's a friend of mine. Andy brought me into our cycling gang, and that's how. You know, he just became mm. part of that, really, and like mm. I say, it was nothing to do with motorcycle racing. I want to know about the cycling gang. It sounds very dangerous. <laughs> uh, is is that funny enough? You mentioned like a Monday after TT week. Are you what's what's going through your head? On, uh, on well, is it like, uh, I need some sleep. 
the thing is, like, you're still flat out for a good couple of weeks afterwards, you know, sort of sorting things out and um, keeping pushing media. And yeah, but obviously, you've got a bit more control on your timekeeping yeah, and right. stuff then, you know, like when the thing's on, your time's not your own, you know, you just go and go and go in until, you know, there's, you have to stop because you're so tired or, you know, and everything's done. But yeah, it is, I, I do like the kind of that, the Monday after feeling of like, let's just tiptoe back towards normal <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing because, um, you become so out of sync with your normal life. Being back in it, it's weird, like eating normal food and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and not skip, you know, you just skip so many meals and, and going to bed at a normal time, watching television and all those things that you haven't done for like, because you'll have been a good two weeks into the really heavy cycle before TT. So it'd be like month. four weeks of, yeah, yeah of so n- normal. I was watching, like you talking about the tour before, I was thinking like they must really struggle to acclimatize after that yeah. whole mm. thing, you know, just that normal must feel not very normal no. afterwards and fat i presume obviously family know that 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 kind of month especially is a not, i won't see much of uh, yeah. daddy and husband yeah i mean we've all grown up together with it i suppose so um but it's not ideal no you know it's not ideal um um yeah, it's not what ideal it is, by, though, it's it? not ideal by any stretch of imagination but you know um yeah uh um yeah i you know i, I think yeah, my wife my, my probably hates a TT because it's aggro for it. Uh, yeah. you know, she might be glad you're out of the house. Never Maybe, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we touched earlier on 2020 and obviously the, 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 from a, looking at it from a, a strategy, I suppose, and a assess and look in hindsight and let's see what we can do better. There was still a TT with the TT lockdown, yeah, which went uh, somewhat virtual. How was that generally received? Yeah, really, uh, really good. So... Um, I mean, every sports property was kind of doing it, weren't they? You know, everyone was mm-hmm. doing virtual this, virtual mm-hmm. that. Um, we we knew that we needed to, or we ought to, service our fans' interests. I, I presume some of the riders do as well, because ultimately they're looking at themselves as the way brand, but as much yeah. as they, but they're trying to keep their name aware, aware for yeah, their sponsors, etc. We, 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 so. all, we all need it, don't we? Event, yeah, yeah. It, event sports teams, people, we need to keep engaging the audience and them, because we don't know how long we're going to be at this, do we? Um uh, and yeah, so we just went with what our strengths were in terms of what we've got. So we did lots of content, you know, lots of old video and newly and you know live shows and and whatnot. And it, yeah, it was dead well received actually. And I didn't really work on the nuts and bolts of it, and I really enjoyed that. Even as a that fan. Barclays IT didn't bring it, bring you back those Barclays no, IT no, days. No, no, no. So <laughs> my, most of you know, I was obviously Reduce working. It. I was working on it, but my colleague, yeah, yeah. some of my colleagues were more involved in the real intrinsic delivery than I was and which mean which meant that I actually got into it watching each okay. night I was kind of like I really enjoyed six o'clock every night there I kind mm. of I was more like a fan really I was mm. enjoying it because I didn't necessarily know what was going to happen each night either and it was good content as well I've actually of all of the sports that have done like replacement for their event things I would say that ours was up there in terms of um like quality you know like we weren't just like press and play on last year's stuff there was a lot of yeah, yeah. original content in there well packaged and produced that was yeah i enjoyed it yeah yeah and we did mm. big numbers you know like right. surprisingly big numbers like tv audience numbers some nights yeah, yeah right yeah, okay yeah, right. so mm. so good yeah yeah no that is good and i presume ultimately things certain things within what what went on is stuff you can potentially implement in years going forward to yeah to... yeah i mean we've got um we're still at the the start of a of a of a curve on digital stuff you know we brought a lot of our digital stuff in house and we're still we really could have done with this year really on, on many things um uh 
so was that digital content something that was typically outsourced yeah yeah um so it's much more embedded in the team now and whatnot um but um uh just um uh, the 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 just just needing to like service our service our our audience but also like service our sponsors and stuff you know we've got those things to think about as well you know like we need to be still delivering to all of the, the stakeholders in this yeah, in, in, in this thing and and, and that, so that was important that was an important element of that you know yeah. working with the sponsors to deliver that stuff and making sure that they were um you know get, getting value getting for value yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. And, mm. and and it's almost like not getting value for the here and now it's like because we're going to need to make sure that we keep everybody for the future you know that's the mm. that's the important yeah, yeah. that's the that's the, the important thing with that so what what well, i suppose i, I guess uh, known as Mr. TT, what maybe a lot of people don't know is the other project you've been running for a number of years, which is CycleFest. Yeah. Which is a for those off island I guess, Grand Fondo sportif push bike style event. So where where did that idea come about and why did you want to do that? Yeah, you're not busy well, I've always had a, a few things on the go. You know, I do some work with sports people still now, like help them out with certain things and stuff. And often it's because I enjoy doing that, you know, and I like like I said I didn't want to learn at sixteen, but I like to learn now. In terms of the um, Cycle Fest, which we did for three years, and then we finished doing that, and then we, the last two years we ran uh, Grand Fondo Wild of Man. Um, uh, sort of a very long story made really short. Always had a bit of an interest in cycling. Always liked mountain biking, really. Um, but, you know, was like more interested in getting a bike and flying down a hill. And I was never particularly fit and whatnot. And, um yeah so cycling was always a thing that i kind of had a half interest in um in 2010 uh my wife was pregnant with twins there was a complication we ended up in liverpool for many many months and my boys were born really early and one of them um has quite a lot of disabilities from from that prematurity and whatnot and we were life changed just like proper like changed just changed forever and um you know, we were in Liverpool with all this kind of life-changing things going on and, and just sort of, you know, living in this place away from, we had, got, had a three-year-old daughter at that time, still back uh-huh. in the Alamant and all that. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I was just, I just, uh, decided, I asked my mom if she would send my mountain bike across and uh, I started getting out of my mountain bike and riding around Liverpool hmm. uh, because I just need to, need to get out of the hospital, you know, and all this. And I was finding that was really good for me. I, I started finding out that I really liked riding the bike and having that, headspace and whatnot and I started riding it more and more uh, and then when we eventually came back that was July we eventually kind of came back to Alaman the end of that year and uh, I had a road bike uh, and I thought I'm gonna start riding that as well now because I just like getting out and stuff and I, so I started riding a bit more and I started riding with people and snowboarding and joined a gang joined a gang <laughs> formed a squad yeah just uh, and just so, so I just found that I enjoyed riding a bike basically more and more and more and then as it happens for everybody who gets into it same isn't it with golf and everything you just then decide you've got to get fitter you got to buy more stuff more gadgets mm-hmm. and all the rest self-fulfilling prophecy um and I got really super into cycling so I got into cycling more and more started doing some events doing some sportive some races and whatnot and thinking yeah this is all good and but because I'm an events person. I always look at everything with that from that perspective, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm always thinking like, and then cycling's gone bananas, isn't it? So I'm, I've got into cycling through default, but cycling in the meantime through the kind of Wiggins and Cavendish era and all this kind of it's just like gone bananas in the UK. And I'm thinking, oh, that's an opportunity to do something here. Mm-hmm. And I always think, well, I can do a really good event, and it could have been I could have got into golf and probably thought we'll put on a great golf event, but 
so the, the cycle fest thing was this thing that was growing in my mind thinking you know it'd be good to have a really good cycling event big thing but it can't be the market's not big enough for it to be just cycling it's got to be more than that so how do you do that how do you make it this lifestyle thing that cycling is the theme um, and there's a really good event in the UK. Well, it's, it's global, actually. Aroika, it's like a vintage cycling brand, um, and they license it. And there's the guy, there was a, a festival organizer in the UK, big festival organizer in the UK they were doing in Aroika in the UK. And it was just, it was a music festival with some bike riding and lots of good things. And I actually went to it to, to check it out. Uh, and that was a lot of the inspiration from it, really. So we put on proper stupidly ambitious plan to do this event we're gonna have this big cycling event mass participation with some mountain bike racing and a hill climb and oh we brought pro race in the first year gee gee whiz i forgot like we did the, the tour series cost a fortune oh, yeah. um uh, and then a festival yeah. a, bit, a festival of music and food mm -hmm. and all this stuff going on like proper 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 ridiculously ambitious actually when you you know and i look back how much money we raised and spent and the risk we took to put that thing on and um and we did three of them and it got better and better and better you know like again if i if i could do a customer satisfaction report on that we had scored really people loved it problem was um it just needed a bit more time money and energy to take it to the point where it was um totally viable so it was like huge amount it was becoming huge amount of work um and the, the financial risk was, you know, it's expensive, you know, mm -hmm. like eye-wateringly expensive. This is not like yeah. knocking a bit of a bike race together. This was like no. big, big money, you know, um, each year. And it was just very stressful, you know, and all of a sudden you're thinking like, if we get bad weather here, this is a problem. Financially, this is a problem, you know, and that's, you just don't need that in your life really. Mm -hmm. or, or you take that level of risk if it's a full-on commercial yeah, operation, yeah. it's going to be your job where this is, this was, maybe hobby-ish kind mm. of something you know but it wasn't hobby-ish money that was involved <laughs> and, and and also just scale as well you know so um so we did those three years and basically we were all a bit tired it needed another two years needed another good two successful years to to cross the threshold from being so the people of the other needed to understand that it wasn't just for cyclists so mm. all most of our customers were non-cyclists but we needed more of them and it was just going to take a bit more time for all those advocates to go and tell all their friends, you need to come to Milltown. It's great. The music's fab and the food's great. And there's loads to do for the kids because we built, you know, it was really, really, it was too good, basically, because it was costing so much money and so much energy to make it happen. So we thought, look, we need to have a bit of time out of that. And we thought, well, do we, will we take a year off or something? Or, um, and, you know, the good thing is we paid all up. You know, there'd been, a, there'd been a, a history of festivals in the other man failing and people not getting their money back. Mm -hmm. and all that. Well, we, we give everybody bought a ticket to our event, got their event. Everybody bought a cycle entry, got their, their cycle ride. We paid all of our bills. We serviced all of the sponsors that we brought in properly. You know, we had no, no, no outstanding liabilities or anything like that. So it was kind of nice and clean. Yeah. So, but then I thought, well, I think we should keep, the thing the wheels going and the team together good team there we should keep the thing going and uh, we, let's just run the grand fond though let's let's run the big part of it the cycling event which was last year we thought we'll run that and that'll just keep the thing going while we decide what to do so we ran the grand fond last year and it was really good we had a cav turned up and rode which really helped us um because he like he went bananas on social media about how good it was he was like he's like he's several thousand pounds a tweet i think and he did about four <laughs> tweets for us foc um and 
it just had this re- if we finished the event with a real good vibe that was a great event and then it's like right let's do it again next year let's just ramp on a bit and um you know and and i also have this view as somebody that's relatively new to cycling i suppose although i've probably been really into it for like 10 years i look around and i see all these people riding bikes that nobody's servicing in terms of a thing you know like i'm thinking well so this thing's evolved and our our brand and our style and tone of voice is very um very kind of soft and 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 very focused around the um uh beginner and recreational side rather so it's called grand fondo the 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 pointy end is is this super hard event the, the fondo itself and you know you get um to, to just ride around it really you've got to be fit you know you yeah. need to be it's not you can't just decide right, i'm mm. going to go and do a lap of that it's a hard hard ride but that's in up till this point in time that's only been 20 percent of our customer base you know 80 mm. percent of these people who are getting a bike and coming and doing 20 miles with us or 40 miles with us and all shapes and sizes you know we had like i think we had uh 80 80 and 80 was the oldest and two was the youngest this year across our events and mm. And I love working on it. I love the people I work with on it. We've got a great team. We do a really clean, smart, professional job. Um, I'm really proud of it. And it's um, and this year, you know, we thought, well, we're not going to be able to run it, obviously, because we went into lockdown. Then there was a glimmer of hope that we could. We held our nerve. But we don't need to cancel just yet. Let's just see what happens. Able to get that date in the August bank holiday weekend. Obviously, every man and his dog started cycling in lockdown. <sighs> which is perfect for us because that's our market. And, you know, we got our biggest entry by some distance. We had, did we have 900 or whatever we had? We had a lot of people riding bikes across the, the weekend, um, uh, all of which obviously were locals. Mm-hmm. And the sun shone on us. We fine-tuned lots of things. And, and yeah, it was, we just, like, have had zero negative feedback. You know, it's very satisfying as an event organizer to finish that mm. The whole thing was tidied up that night. The whole courses were broke down. All the signage put away. Every, you know, you wouldn't have known we were at the park. You wouldn't have known we were on the island by the next day because yeah. the team is just like flat out dead committed. And um, you know, it's 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 financially viable and all the rest of it at the level it's at. And um, just yes, just just good. I just like I say, learn loads from doing it as yeah. well. You know, yeah. you kind of you know you all. Do you, find, do you find applying much of? I mean, obviously events generally, but things from the TT side of things into it or are they all because they are different the um the principles of event management's the same but they are the, the principles of events management yeah. are absolutely the same and it would be wouldn't matter what the yeah, yeah. subject matter was you would apply many of the same things obviously there's specific knowledge and, and things for that event and other events but yeah I mean running an event marketing yeah, event yeah. producing event all those things are, are the, the, ultimately the same at the, at the at the base level um Obviously, going through this year, we we'd done we'd done a deal already at the start of the year with the UCI mm. to join the UCI Grand Fondo World Series, which was a massive step for us, and we so we knew that already. But obviously, we because of um, because of lockdown and everything that's going on around the world, their their announcement had been delayed and delayed and delayed. And ironically, it was only made yesterday. So, so just provide a bit of background for non-cyclists. What does that mean? What the UCI? Grand Fondo World UCI, is the governing body of cycling, the Grand Fondo World Series is basically. Um, similar to the Ironman model where there are a number of events around the the world that you can take part in to qualify to go and represent your country in your age range in a final which is generally somewhere exotic <laughs> at the end of the year it's very much like the Ironman model 
so it's effectively like a world championship but for amateurs um so uh and mass participation events as well um there's one other in the uk which is in cambridge which attracts uh, over ten thousand entries um and it's an important step for us for a number of reasons one it's exciting you know it's like stupid idea let's run a bike race and all of a sudden you're doing one that's like a world championship <laughs> one how did that happen then also um from a very passionate about the, the visitor economy on the other man let's you know so i'd be passionate about doing an event that benefits the the visitor economy also from a kind of operational point of view and a growth point of view from the grand side like i said it's so hard that there's a there's a very small finite market locally for people to do that mm. you know so to grow that end you've got to be bringing people from outside of the isle of man across to do it um and i just also think that we can show off the isle of man as a great place as a great cycling destination through our event also mm. you know because it's a quirky um the grand fondo itself the, the, the long distance one's a quirky old thing takes you through some right wacky places and yeah. but also through some really beautiful places and it shows the Isle of Man as a cycling destination off to its full, I think. It was super hard, but super beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then it obviously it's down to us to do a really good job of giving people a good um, a good experience when they when they, when they they come and do it, hopefully. Yeah, some of the photographs from this year were uh, just, mm. yeah, like you say, picturesque. Again, you go back to looking at the TT and how that's portrayed, certainly on the TV channels, helicopter flying past all this green land and just this. And again, like the Zora France, you watch it as an observer and you get... It becomes like a PR, you know, for, well, for the island. Yeah, the, 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 tour de, the Tour de France broadcast is the best sports broadcast, bar none, for destination marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal what they do with that. Um, and how the TT is not dissimilar, and it does feel no, when yeah, I look yeah, at Cyclefest now that sort of progressed or Grand Fondo. And, and, and the thing is, you know, we are in a beautiful place, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know that. And then, yeah, so so with all of that in mind, all the stuff that you've seen, which is a, a bit of what we've captured, you know, we, we did a lot this year knowing that we were doing this next year so we've right. captured you know there was a lot of 2021 planning going on before this year's event in terms of generating content that we're going to use to market mm. it yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, the, for the future um but it's where it's at for me because again like i had i also have this view around you get about you know this whole mammal thing and you know we get a bike right we're going to ride a bike we're going to ride a bike with our mates we want to go and do an event so we go and do a sportive that's the thing we do a sportive but it's not a race i want to race my mates now and but I want to race my mates with loads of other people hmm. and a, on a big scale. And in Europe, the Grand Fondo thing is just bananas. You know, they're massive numbers, and that's where it's at. And sportives aren't such a thing. Sportives quite very British hmm. kind of thing. And it's from that. It's just that that culture of like I've done that. That's 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 next, the chain next, of events, next. and I've got to do it now. And um, yeah, uh, so mass participation racing I think is a big opportunity. And obviously with the Isle of Man, we have the luxury of being able to close roads, which gives us a point of difference. Um, a lot of sport oh, fondos not around Europe would they be on closed roads? Are they typically yeah, I think I think mixture? I think a lot of them are, but um, in the UK there's there's the Cambridge and that's it, you know. Right. So that's you know that's and and there's still a job to be done there to try and really educate people or sell that experience because it's dead special, <laughs> it is dead cool. Not only riding on closed roads but racing on closed, you know, flying through junctions that are all locked down just for you and all yeah. that kind of stuff and um uh that whole experience and and that's worth paying for yeah. you know it's worth investing yourself your, your training and your, your 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 time and and stuff i think and um but it just takes a bit of a there's a you know there is a i know 
like in our Piccolo and Media Fondo, our small ones, those people love that. They, mm. They've got a bike and they're probably not massively always excited about riding on the road because they don't like the traffic and they're not confident. Seen that a lot, yeah. You know, but you see the Piccolo Fondo people and they're coming back with big, all of them with massive smiles and they've ridden down the middle of the road yeah, and yeah. everyone's waving at them. Like and all. You're being naughty. Yeah, but yeah. I think, you know, I know, you know, obviously I've never ridden in the Grand Fondo, but lots of my friends ride it and they say, oh, it's just, you come to the junction, the policeman's waving you through and, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of and work that comes into being able to achieve that. And those festival aspects that were there in the early days, is that something that'll be part of next year or is it still yeah, kind of work in so progress? I think, you know, the, the, like I said earlier, the, the festival was expensive, time consuming, and we're in the Isle of Man, small market, takes time to build it up. I think we'll be maybe somewhere in a heart, you know, it, hopefully if the borders are open and we are able to bring the people here, we need to give them a great time. So we need to build a good village experience yeah, there. Yeah. So. Um, we really need to. We 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 we've got some ideas around that. We need to find a bit. Yeah, it won't won't necessarily be like yeah. cycle fest. It's not cycle fest. Yeah. Cycle, you know, we hmm. we we, we changed the name to Grand Fondo Isle of Man because we didn't want to use the the fest bit yeah. of it because it's not a festival. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we didn't want to describe it as such. But um, yeah, we'll make sure that off the bike is good quality experience, experience as well. As well. Yeah, because yeah. it's going to be three days. You know, that's the difference right. as well. Yeah. We haven't. We're going to announce the calendar soon, but it's more than just. It's going to cover three days, and yeah. we're going to have a time trial and stuff oh, in it right, as well, okay. which um, they they really are into. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, they're they yeah. proud to have got to this point, really, and it's a very um, it it represents the Thanks people that work on it yeah, really well. There's like there's like fifty people working on it this year. Mm. Fifty people, like, yeah. you know, from and ninety percent of them aren't into cycling at all. You know, it's yeah. a cool yeah. situation, yeah, really. Yeah. But the good it's people, kind of community thing, isn't it? Just, just to promote the island yeah. to get people. Just on this, the... this group of people come together. Few more each year. All dead good. All dead hardworking. All dead competent and good fun. And yeah, it's really can do kind really, of totally can do. It's 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 really. I really enjoy taking my time off work to go and work on yeah, that yeah, yeah. because it's. Um, it, it's just I don't know what it is. Just a really good buzz around. It. Everyone's kind of all all falling on for all yeah, around yeah. it and stuff. And um, yeah, it, it, it is. And yeah, luckily, touch wood, we had a bit of good weather and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Back, just yeah. a final question from me is, and it, I know it's not a question or answer, just your thoughts really. Who knows with twenty twenty one? But there's someone heading up to massive events, unknown can really with the borders and what what's going to happen. So do you just kind of typically plow on with the projects as though they're going ahead with a contingency of in case? Is that the mentality? Yeah, I mean, certainly with the with the Grand Fondo project, we've got no choice but to just say, like, with the dates they've given us, yeah. we're going to aim to to do that. Um, it's quite far off. Um, there isn't so much upfront commitment, you know, so if, God forbid, if we had to cancel it or just run it locally, it wouldn't be the end of the world like that. Um, and it's not an event that has a huge national, uh, it has huge national mm. imp implications. Um, and, and, and also it's entirely up to us what we do and don't yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but for both of them, you know, the, the, I suppose we can only look at the facts. There is a, a borders policy in place on the Isle of Man and that will decide what can and can't mm. happen at those various levels, all of which I, I can't remember off the top of my head what they, they all say. In terms of the TT, I think, um, I mean, obviously, as it was when it was cancelled this year, what happens next year will be a, 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 a 
Council of Ministers decision. It's not, you know, people said to me, I've done interviews this, this year where they said, oh, what was it like when you cancelled the TT? I said, well, you know, <laughs> we didn't cancel the TT. We were told the TT was being cancelled and what happens with the TT next year will be, the, will be the same. However, you know, there is obviously work going on in terms of um, options and scenarios. Done a lot of work on that over the, yeah, over right, the, okay. over the year. Um, and I, and um, currently, you know, been feeding into some, some papers recently that are going to go in to probably inform some of those council ministers' decisions. <clears throat> You know, I think I think most people really want you know the, the, the TC to return next year. It's very very important for for some parts of the economy, of course. Um, and um, uh, that will be a, like I say, it'll be a decision for the Council of Ministers. Um, we'll be ready to do whatever on it. Um, and but you know, the whole it's just you know the world is mad right now, isn't it? You know mm-hmm. you can't the speed at which things have kept on changing yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. and the inability, you know, I look at, you know, I read lots of sports business websites and um, live events, websites and blogs and stuff. And the whole sector is just like, um, the, se- the sector just doesn't know where to go with it because, you know, the sector generally needs people, needs fans and crowds and stuff. And fans and crowds are, are, are a real issue at the minute, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, like, um, uh, so uh, there doesn't seem to be a pattern, you know, a pattern to it. We're, we're recording now in middle of October, and uh, things are going back. Certain areas are going back into lockdown. Some sports were wanted fans back. We're going to get them back, but then you might watch some sport in Germany where there's pockets of fans. You watch a game, watch a bit yeah, of NFL, NFL yeah. in Kansas. I think in the place they had sixteen thousand fans in the stadium. You go to a, another ground, another part of the country, and there's it's completely empty. So yeah, yeah it's such a just i appreciate it. it's a crystal ball situation it was just yeah those contingency plans and i suppose yeah. when you think about it from the outside again you look at that decision somewhere down the line made, made by ministers that's you know it's not just a decision going well it doesn't look like it's going to be open there's obviously a wealth of yeah information well, and, yeah, and there's, to make there's, an informed decision ultimately there's there's health implications and economic implications yeah, yeah. And, and they're actually probably competing against each other yeah, to a certain yeah, extent yeah. um but in terms of operationally then there are a huge amount of implications where we can obviously educate and provide the information of you know there's a there's a problem if we don't do this by then or, or this yeah. needs to be considered and so they're the, they're the bits obviously that we, we we will contribute to um um and uh yeah i i but i i, I do think from both on what i know but also what is now in the, in the public domain from various you know, treasury minister and others have commented that i do think decision on 2021 um planning will 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 be will be discussed and discussed publicly sooner rather than yeah, later yeah, yeah. and i think most people accept that that's probably the, the, the right thing yeah yeah no i agree and just i suppose one final again as an observer and appreciate the tt's your job uh, but you must look at the impact that that you've left on that and i'm sure you respect your team as well for that and for grand fondo that oh yeah grand fondo that you know, there must be a, a, and people don't like to talk about themselves but a proud proud in in leaving i use the word legacy whatever the right right term is but yours are, both of those are very public things yeah where i do a job and i you know i think i like to do a nice job and there's maybe 10 people in the office that that see that but yeah uh, um do you, do you ever look at that and reflect on that i not really no i i always feel i feel like i guess it's an honor to work on the tt because like you know, right at the very start of the conversation, you've gone about how big it is and all that sort of stuff. So not everybody gets that chance, you know, and learn so 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 much. So it is an honour to have a job like that. Um, 
and um i guess yeah just don't really think a bit about being proud or otherwise you obviously want to do really the best job possible whereas i do feel they're proud about the fondo for some reason maybe that's because it's like your baby. My idea yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a different emotion for some mm. reason yeah but, no that makes sense um but yeah I, I do i feel you know if, if i didn't if, if i stopped working on the tt today i would always think that it was an honor to have had that opportunity to work yeah, yeah, on an yeah. event like mm. like that you know because it sounds yeah. a bit like when we spoke to the uh, Mark and the All Blacks, and when yes. he talks about taking the All Black jersey, and he's got this treasure that his job, I think he was number nine, I think off the top of my head, he was given this jersey on the day he became an All Black, and his job's to look after that and make the best of it. It doesn't belong to him, it belongs to the country. And then when he moves on from rugby, he passes it on to the next person. I guess it's that same. I'm, I've been looked at, my job's to help look after this treasure, mm-hmm. and I'll do the best I can, and then one day yeah. I'll pass it on. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, um, I don't know. I think yeah. that's the only answer. <laughs> You'll find out when you, when you move on, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank thanks for much. the insight. No, it's uh, my pleasure. It, thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, check us out, Mr. Matthew. Yep. So wherever you're listening to today, please like, share, subscribe, and leave those five-star reviews. Pretty please. Uh, social media, on Facebook, we're the M Word Podcast. Twitter, we are at the uh, at M Word Podcast, we're number one. And then on Instagram, we are the M Word IOM. Thanks for listening, you sexy people. Bye for now. Word out from Martin. Sorry, hello. What, what, bye. And word out from Matt. <laughs>